This is 635? 633. 633, yeah. Yep. All right. Jumped ahead a bit. You did. I'm already over 633. I want to do 635. <laughs> everyone, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. Hey-dee-ho, I'm Ian Boothby. And uh, let's just get, get it right out of the way. Let's sure. just get right to basics. The basic Sneaky Dragon, which is we've, that uh, we, we've got a pile the, of chocolate uh, bars in front of us. We have a pile of chocolate bars in front of us. Also, I thought you were going to reveal we've been the same person this whole time, just doing a voice switcheroo. Oh, okay. We've been pulling a Willie Tyler and Lester <laughs> okay. this whole time. We record... So I, or you, we, meaning me, record one part and then later on do the other one so that we can talk over each other or i could talk over myself i should say sure during the show uh this reminds me that there was and we'll get back to chocolate bars in a second <laughs> too much detail there was a Got thing too I technical s- i saw on facebook and it's this british uh comedian and she does um a monkey ventriloquist uh thing and it's a okay. very it's yeah, a yeah. very sweet monkey oh it's very sweet monkey. so not like the ostrich sort of thing no no which or the emu i mean emu. have a voice yeah, emu, yeah. And just bites the guy's head which excellent that's no, the it's best no madam Exactly. Uh, uh, Wayland Flowers. Exactly. Um, so you say the emu was the best? Oh, it was just the best idea for a ventriloquist thing because you didn't have to do the voice. Mm. It was like, what's the hardest Pure. part? Not moving your lips, well, having to do the voice. How about it just bites your face all the time? <laughs> well, that can't kill an hour. Apparently, it can. Yeah. Um, he also would do like full, full on body flips and stuff like that where he'd yeah. you know, be physically manhandled by the emu. But there was uh, great. a thing on Facebook with this woman and her monkey puppet, and she's yep. li- lying down, okay. and they're both talking to the camera. And then at one point, uh, the monkey is complaining that it's not autonomous, basically. It doesn't mm. have autonomous thought and wishes that it did. Yeah. And she's saying, no, but you do. And it's like, I never know what you're going to say. And it's like, oh, okay. But still, you're in control. It's like, I don't know if I am. And it was like this conversation where you could so almost see it's like, is she freaking herself out right now and not yeah. being able to control what the uh, what the monkey is uh, is saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it got a little deep uh, there. <laughs> well, there is. Uh, we've talked about it many, many years ago. So I'm going to bring it up again. But Please I, I remember watching a long time ago a documentary about ventriloquists. And these were low-level ventriloquists. And murders. The murders they committed. The murders they committed. You're thinking of magic. This was a magic. That was not a documentary. Uh, or, what was that one called? Dead of Night? It's a s- story in Dead of Night with Michael Crawford playing a crazy ventriloquist. Or uh, Puppets That Kill. Or Puppets That Kill. Yeah. But those are, the are Dan Redican um, Comedy Network. Uh, is that a um, ventriloquist thing, though, or is that his puppets? One of the characters is okay. a ventriloquist uh, oh, dummy. Okay. So, this was a documentary about... Ventriloquists, but people who are not popular ventriloquists, people we've never heard of. Like there was one guy who was like a Christian ventriloquist and went around. Oh, there's and a bunch of those. Performed in rec, you know, church rec rooms and stuff like that. Look up did. Cliff Nesteroff on that subject, okay. yeah, and he'll uh, he'll spin you a yarn. <laughs> and, uh, and then there's other ones that are just sort of quote unquote normal. I mean, secular ventriloquists. And there's one. I thought you were going to say sexy, where, sexy ventriloquist. <laughs> where this guy is that normal? Uh, there was this one guy who. Um, Decided he was going to get a new puppet, a new dummy, mm-hmm. and so he had a full-on funeral for the other, for his his, his original dummy. Oh, that's so. Literally buried it with a priest. 
doing a service. Okay, now was the in priest, a coffin. Was the priest also a ventriloquist? I don't think the priest was a ventriloquist. It was like a real service. Right. He wasn't putting it on. It wasn't a put on. No, the it was prob- like he was the problem burying with that past. is <laughs> it's crazy. That traditionally at yeah. the end of a show you put your dummy into a box, mm. so the the dummy wouldn't know that it's going in a uh, uh, like a coffin because mm. it, that's I don't wh- think this was for the dummy. I think this was for him. All right. He's kind of burying his past and kind of making like a closure of a character that he'd used for 20 years. Okay. And then decided he was going to change. And he just kind of made this radical change. Not like a, not like an Edgar Bergen, I'm going to bring Mortimer Snurd into the show. And then he'll share time with Charlie McCarthy. And yes, it'll cut into a little bit of Charlie McCarthy's, uh, you know, airtime. But Mortimer will have his act as well. No, no, it was just full on like, get rid of this old thing and just throw it out. And it was interesting. It was just, it was really fascinating look into that the psychology mm-hmm. of ventriloquists and all and the fact that to to them they were living beings in a way in a way that okay for a writer a character that they write about a lot is a is a living being what now oh i've got so many questions about a lot of things so like lee, like it, what makes you think when that reminds you of one thing of like lee child i guess a couple of years ago retired from writing the reacher reacher novels mm-hmm. and when asked why he said i didn't like him anymore Okay. I don't. I don't like that guy, you know. And so I just thought that was interesting, like you know, in a way that that shows the autonomy of that character from Lee Child, you know, that he was doing things that Lee Child disagreed with, but were true to the character that Lee Child created, yeah. but at the same time did not have complete autonomy over. Because when you do, as an author, yeah, you've got to let your characters do what yeah, they're going to do, exactly within boundaries. Within obviously. boundaries, of course. Yeah, you still have a story and stuff like that. You just can't have them. I'm going to make a rocket ship and go to space. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. But this like, is a- a, and again, I'm not a parent. You're a parent. Mm-hmm. But also, like a parent, you know, you can't let them go too far. Like, you know, you can, uh, you know, your uh, your child wants to, you know, uh, be a musician. You don't want them to be a musician. That's fine. But you can't. <laughs> uh, but they want to be a murdering musician. Mm. Well, no. Yeah. Now I got to say a strong no to that. You can't be a musician who goes around the, on the road and kills people. It depends. What, same thing with depends your character. Depends on the character you wrote, though. It depends on the character you're rewritten. I mean, you know, Reacher is a murderer. Well, it depends on what type of book you're writing yeah, yeah. you can't have oh by the way by the fourth book in the series he's a serial killer and we didn't mention this <laughs> you know on yeah, the yeah. sly he's been offing you mm. know gas station attendants <laughs> yeah yeah there has to be some i mean he would couldn't be like it couldn't you couldn't you couldn't um write rewrite continuity but you definitely could could grow you fill continuity. in the blanks you could fill in the blanks and you could grow your continuity and, mm-hmm. and if the character is heading in that direction then i guess you have to embrace that uh, if whether, your publisher with, allows it, whether you like it or not, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting thing, and so I think I do think, to, like I think when this woman's talking to her monkey, <laughs> you know, she is talking to herself in a way, but she's also talking to a character she's created who has an autonomous sure. personality that's separate from hers, and in that way, even though they're connected, they're separate from each other, you know. And they have, you have to respect that autonomy. Otherwise, once again, you have the same problem you have as a writer, forcing your characters into a into a plot. It just doesn't, you know, it just can't work that way. Have you ever gone into, been a character and done things as a character that you wouldn't be able to do as a you? Like, have you ever, like, say, started joking around, but in a voice, mm. and then that character in that voice can tell jokes you can't tell, <laughs> and all of a sudden you find yourself going on this riff and go like, oh, that's really good. I wish I was this funny. And it's like, wait a minute, that is you. Because <laughs> that'll happen. That'll happen a bit, you know. Yeah. Where like, you know, you... I mean, I've done. I mean, I've I've done that. I have done that. I don't can't. I can't do it publicly, but with friends, I've riffed as a character. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Yeah. I think this you've done it on the show. I have? Probably, yeah. Okay. I think you've done things in character where you've okay. uh, <laughs> you've just gone off. Yeah, because I think there's How enough awkward. intimacy here mm. that you feel that. Yeah, but yeah. you wouldn't like. And now I'm because you. Get, it's very <laughs> tough to plan that. Yeah, yeah. You can't. It's just it's a product of conversation or, or and and the type of conversations you have too. Like you know, as a as a dad, there's a certain amount of performative behavior mm-hmm. as a father. That's why fathers are so embarrassing to their children. Um, you know, and that's dad jokes and things like that are part of that. You know, like you, your whole life, you didn't, you weren't really interested in dad jokes until you became a dad. Mm-hmm. And then you realized there was something very pleasing about getting a reaction from your kids, whether it's a gr- groan or a laugh. It doesn't matter. It's just a reaction. That's what's important. And also to fill the dead air of driving somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like even I, oh, I, you know, we would have various like kind of in jokes that we would, we would tell or just things that would sort of pile up, you know, like so, um, the, the farting, expression you know he who dealt it smelt it you know and then it would be like we would just keep you know um i can't even think he of who denied now. it supplied it supplied it just things like that we just kept adding to that and growing growing these sort of silly uh more and more elaborate he who tooted refuted <laughs> there exactly just yeah. like that yeah yeah i can't even remember them all now uh that we thought of but we did we did think of that or we had a thing where we uh would go um we just suddenly randomly just go banana phone and hand, hold up our fingers <laughs> and like and then I would hold up my... Then after a while, I started holding out the phone to even going, it's the president. <laughs> you know? And uh, I'd say something like, you know, she can't talk right now. She's on her banana phone. Just, you know, you just try to keep gr- growing oh, these so little Also, the banana jerks. phone isn't the president's private line. No, the president's private line. No, he's calling you on your banana phone. Oh, okay. Because what I yeah. thought was going on was like, you pulled out the There's banana phone. Special. I was like, hello? It's the president. <laughs> and then she's like, I know. It's the banana phone. Of course, it's the president. <laughs> no. Hello? Hello, uh, President Monkeyman. Yes. <laughs> Wait a second. Are you with a What's woman happening? Right now? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it could have been that. I mean, I asked him. His, uh, I asked the president his uh, his uh, opinion on uh, same sex marriage. Uh, he said it's evolving. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he. That's what he does. He's, yeah. Uh, no. yeah. Are monkeys evolving? I guess we all are evolving. Um, Wait a second. If evolution's real, why are you still president? What? <laughs> Oh, bananas are also a good example of that. That's interesting. Yeah, it's all Oh, okay. So that uh, guy from uh, from Growing Pains was wrong. Uh, Kirk Cameron. Yeah, yeah. You did. Do you know the video? You know what I'm talking about, right? Have you seen the one with the monkey and the ventriloquist? Oh, you should look that up. Okay, Mr. President, you got stuff to do. Okay, bye. Hang up your banana phone. Yeah, I don't, he's just... got to go to a debate and throw some shit on his opponent. <laughs> well, that's normal. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You're right. Yeah, so just yeah, things like that with the, with the kids was fun, just because you're together and there's a certain amount of very easy camaraderie. You know, mm-hmm. there's no pressure, no pressure. Actually, I used to do it with David too. We used to go for drives and we would do dumb voices and create silly scenarios and stuff like that. Yeah, it's fun. It is fun. And it let's fun. let's be honest, we usually start the show like that <laughs> for about you know twelve years. So yeah. That's what you do. You do a little uh, jib jab. That's one interesting thing about improv is uh, you uh, you can do things you couldn't do, and once you're on stage, mm. you know everything kicks in, and yeah, it all uh, it all changes. It's very it's very interesting. You know, and you get off, and people go, "Oh, you're great," and uh, like, "Oh no, that wasn't me. That had nothing to do with me. That was just <laughs> circumstance." And then like, "Oh, you should make a sketch out of that, and you should do that. You know, recreate that." But like with writing it down, it's like that's impossible. You're crazy. Yeah. No, I saw you do it. No, I can't do that. You played guitar. I can't play guitar. But I saw you play guitar. Yeah, but you can't. I can't play guitar. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. But in the moment, you you were able to play guitar. Yeah, I've sang to my own uh, piano playing on stage, and mm. I can't play piano. Yeah, yeah. But you, <laughs> you were free enough in that moment that you, yeah. could, you could fake it. Yeah, that I can hit a couple of chords yeah, and kind yeah. of jam on what those chords are and then repeat what those chords are. Mm-hmm. And now I'm singing a song. But yeah. if it was like, and now here's something. You know, no, of course not. <laughs> not going to start working at a piano Yeah, bar. <laughs> after dinner, Ian wants to play a little piano for you and sing you a song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Could there be anything different. worse? <laughs> a little different. Yeah, then your parents going, oh, David has a presentation he wants to make after dinner. All right, everyone <laughs> in the living room, we're all yeah. going to watch David do his, PowerPoint. Uh, his, his, his talk. <laughs> um, well, that, no, that's true, actually. And in a way, you're right about the sketch part of it, too. Like, even if you did come up with something that was sketch-worthy in an, in, in an improvisational moment, writing it out would reveal that it doesn't really hang together too well. What, what worked was the... The instant instantaneousness of it, you know, that you need that moment of just, oh, that just kind of came to us. Let's go go with it there. And if you plan that, people are going to be kind of like, well, that's all right. It, it, that just reminds me of something about Saturday Night Live that I always thought was interesting. Is like I always like watch a Saturday Night Live show and you hear the laughter in the audience and think, well, of course, people lined up. Mm-hmm. They're seeing their they're seeing celebrities. They're seeing all this. There's stuff. a warm up act. There's a warm up act. You know, they're just excited to be in Thirty Rockefeller Center. Yeah, you know, it's all pumped up. And uh, and yeah, it's like okay. So even like a sketch that you at home will go meh. It's like in in the moment is like oh, and you kind of want to like talk afterwards and go, what was it like there? What was that like? And that makes me think of like back when Gilbert Gottfried was doing you know that season of the show, okay, with Charles Rocket as yeah. a couple other people. John John uh, Lovitz was was in that season, I believe. As well, I think. Uh, the and only survivor. I think, yeah, I think he was. Well, I think Dennis was Dennis Miller. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. I think there was maybe one more survivor. I think but like right. when I watch those episodes, and I rarely do, but sometimes I will, <laughs> and you hear nothing in the audience. Oh wow! And I'm like, wow. You must have. Really, wow. Must really be tanking it. That I mean, how much must you be tanking it? Like that it's a grumpy audience in, in like they they also came to Thirty Rock. Well, they okay. also sat down. Here's a question had... for you though. So there must have been a time with Saturday Night Live that you could, on the spur, like on a whim, go to a show, like just go down to Thirty Rockefeller Plaza and walk walk in and see a, and see a Saturday Night Live. Maybe. But by that point, there must have been a, a waiting list of a year or more. So you have people who. You know, re, you know, tried, made got, got tickets, reserved tickets yeah. for some future date. Yeah. When John John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Gilda Radner, blah blah blah, everyone else there, Lorraine Newman, Grant Morris. <laughs> you don't forget, I want to leave anyone out. Dan Aykroyd, did I say Dan Aykroyd? Sure. Jane Curtin. Sure. We're all there. Then you finally get your ticket. You go, and then you get that. Mm. You know, you're not going to be in no mood to laugh. No mood at all. I don't know if that's the case. But yeah, I, feel I don't like know if, if it was that if there was a waiting a time. ticket at that point. Yeah, yeah, or not. Yeah, and here's the, it's also a weird situation because you know they did the sketch for their dress rehearsal because they always have a dress rehearsal, right? Mm-hmm. And they, you know, and so the, the eight o'clock show, all these sketches, and these were the ones that were the best that like stuck around. And there's not they, a laugh in these goddamn things. <laughs> and they did this for an audience as well, right? The dress rehearsal, yeah, for, for a live audience. audience. Okay. So they heard. Zzz, Nothing to that, mm. and then uh, and then they did that. And it's just like, what would it take to like be at that kind of like perfect environment? Yeah, and then like and and bomb. Like mm. what that? What would it take? That's amazing. Yeah, you would get at least some courtesy, you know, <laughs> laughter off the top or something like yeah. just politeness. But no, just. Whoosh. 
It's kind of it's kind of interesting when you think when you were just thinking about this now. So they have a dress rehearsal for Saturday Night Live. Yeah, they cut a bunch. They of cut a bunch of stuff and then they do the show live. Yeah, and rearrange the show so mm. you know hotter things end it or yeah. This now goes in the weird zone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Whereas the Carol Burnett show had a dress dress rehearsal and then they had their their actual show. They recorded both. Yeah. Most of the sketches that aired were from the dress rehearsal because mm-hmm. the, the cast was looser. Yep. And I guess that became like a thing with Harvey Corman corpsing on stage constantly, um, which is part of what the audience enjoyed was the idea that the actors and are he, enjoying it. could because why not? Because you've got another show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And if you, if you think it's funny, that's fine. I mean, if think Tim Conway's making you laugh, that's what he's trying to do. So, mm-hmm. uh, And so that looseness worked for that show, but... For whatever reason, Tenet Live is just kind of like, nope, erase that. Erase that dress rehearsal. This is the actual show. Well, they were trying, not, they were actively trying not to be Carol Burnett. Oh, I know, I know. Not, not the, not the improving and laughing and stuff like that, but just, just the fact that even just a slightly looser feeling in the yeah. dress rehearsal is not, not interesting to, to, um, Lauren Michaels at all, but he wants like a tight actual show live you know which is interesting to me and then you got, live really and then you get yeah because you know carol burnett was the square version of what they were trying to do <laughs> and yet carol burnett was able to do you know things like the uh, eunice sketches which were like whoa some dark some, sh- very dark some real dark tennessee <laughs> williams shit in that it's or even, like, the, even just yeah i mean yeah just the exploration of those characters just the exploration of those characters the, the school one that's one i always think of but even just like you know, like human relations, like the sorry, the sorry sketch, mm-hmm. where it's not, it's not sad or anything, but it's just, just the, you know, just the, this that kind of passive aggressive gamesmanship. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, that becomes more and more, more and more, you know, aggravating to the to the people playing it. It's very well done. That whole social um, dynamics and stuff, and, like and that. it's also smart on a psychological level with the cast members mm. because there's so much of what they're doing which is big musical numbers smiles and dancing <laughs> then it's crazy and then yeah. put harvey corman in the the fat woman suit and she's doing her her she he's doing his business yeah and it's like you know what they all are gonna like do what the actors do which is like hunger for that mm, juicy part <laughs> and and they're all playing characters they wouldn't play yeah like harvey corman is the you know the grumpy tough husband Mm. who's you know a real man's man husband and eunice is uh unpleasant mm-hmm. very unlikable and yeah. and and that's the opposite of what carol burnett plays and <laughs> vicky lawrence is usually a sex pot except for a nanny well, there you go uh and 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 uh and you know vicky lawrence is usually a kind of a sexy type yeah uh and it's like no we're gonna make you the grandma and <laughs> yeah. she's really a just a hag just a mean <laughs> a mean hag yeah and it's like all right so they all get to do stuff they normally yeah. wouldn't do and really have some scenery chewing yeah num 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 bits that actors love and so yeah you're contenting your actors which mm. is really really nice so they're not having to you know go oh i want to leave this show so i can go and uh, stretch my legs and stretch my artistic talent sure sure i mean and the show it's you know it's it's psychologically a, a very deep uh Sketch, you know, series of sketches as well. You know, like Eunice is so, is needy. That's why she's unpleasant. Is she's just so right. so very very needy. You know, and gets nothing from. Is it Ed? I think or, so. Yeah, and nothing from her mom. Her mom, yeah. yeah her mom is an and her monster. perfect sister Betty White, who's you know is a Betty White type, but not a Betty White type. And yeah, it's just yeah. like oh, so dark there mm-hmm. as well. It's like a. It's like yeah. It's like the David Lynch version of a Betty White character. You know, so you just get this this sort of 
surface perfection, but underneath it's all... They expanded it to a movie, like a TV movie once, okay, and killed off Mama. <laughs> and uh, and just, we got to see what happened to them through the years. Yeah, and yeah it's dark Tennessee Williams shit. <laughs> but like with, the, with those sketches, it felt to me like, oh, they've been watching Norman Lear, mm-hmm. you know, and like this is the time where like things get brought up and things can get dark and uh, let's let's do that. And sure. You never really think about that when you think of the Carol Burnett show. You think of her, you know, doing the the answering of the questions off the top mm-hmm. and big musical numbers and Bob Mackie outfits. And, <laughs> I don't know. really remember the big musical numbers. I think mostly because I, I mostly watched it in the pared down sketch sketches only versions you can see them i think on pluto now and uh, me t- not me on, tv me yeah. tv does carol burnett and friends which is the short version so it's all just yeah. comedy which is fine by which me is for fine. the most yeah, part i don't, don't, don't yeah. want to care about that <laughs> i don't want to see edie gourmet singing but it's fun to watch her and steve yeah. lawrence in a bit bit together sure more likely just steve yeah Edie doesn't do a lot of yeah that's bits. true steve lawrence was uh, but steve good, wants to do the uh, jimmy cagney and uh, <laughs> god bless him let him because John Biner isn't here, even though John Biner would want to do it as well. <laughs> yeah, I know it is interesting. There was I did watch a few of the very early ones. I think they're on Amazon for a while on Prime, and uh, yep. And I did watch some of the early shows. And those were like the complete shows, and I was watching with like you know with Juliet Prowse or something like that. And you're just like, oh, is that why she's known? <laughs> she's on the Carol Burnett show. I don't. Otherwise, who is she? You know, right? Uh, but yeah, so it's sort of interesting to watch those as well. And it feels, yeah, and, and you know, uh, you think Tim Conway was on since the beginning. He wasn't. He wasn't. No. He was just a special guest that fit mm-hmm. in so well that he became a cast member. Mm-hmm. And then Harvey Corman left and uh, Dick Van Dyke came on at the end at a time when no one would hire Dick Van Dyke. Mm. And they kind of saved his career a little bit there because sure. he had a reputation for drinking. Yeah. and uh, and But he was so charming and so good on that that, <laughs> you know, we still got him around there. You know, for the most part, they all live long, long lives, which is nice too. Yeah, it's nice seeing that. And yeah, going like okay, whatever you're doing is healthy. <laughs> you as performers, good for you. Yes, and somehow we've said all that without mentioning Lyle Wagner. <laughs> well, yeah, Lyle Wagner was your variety show hunk of beef. You yeah, wanted, yeah. Yeah. you know, a real handsome Dan that's mm-hmm. there, and uh, he'd come out and he'd do the thing, and da, 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 and then he got to be the handsome Dan on uh, Wonder Woman. And then he went, okay. you know what makes money? Uh, you know what business he went into, right? I thought it was like used RVs or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he okay. sold uh, movie trailers to, oh, movie trailers. Uh, okay. to, to TV and movie sets. So okay. Like, okay, There's money to be made here. And so he <laughs> bought a bunch and sold them, and that became his fortune. Mm-hmm. Well, good for him. Because he wasn't going to make it. <laughs> well, yeah, when, you're, when your looks start to yeah, go, you can either keep doing sit-ups or you can <laughs> buy a couple of RVs. And what would yeah. you prefer to do? But that that tan that he had was only gonna only get yeah. more and more leathery. <laughs> yeah, those teeth aren't gonna hold. You know, over time, he, you're gonna end up hosting a game show, and uh, mm. if you want that, that's fine. Or yeah. stay at home and let your RVs make the money come in. <laughs> there you go. Oh, you mentioned the ch- sorry the chocolate bars. Off I the did top. mention the chocolate bars at the top of the so, show. So I, I got, got a, got a bucket of chocolate bars here called Heroes. They're little tiny chocolate bars. Can I just say what's in them? I, I yes, but I'll set up why I've got those. Okay, it's because we did um, a podcast called Refresh My Memory where we talked about the Great Escape, Oops. and so uh, there's no need to get mad. <laughs> That you're not in that podcast uh, with uh, Vicky Van and uh, Jason Dedrick and uh, Eric Fell. And so we talk about The Great Escape, and I always do a snack that's appropriate for the show Mm. and a drink, and then they make up a drink. So we had a drink called The Grape Escape, and I wanted to have a good snack for for that. And so I got some Heroes, and they're UK candies. So, yeah, you can list the... uh, They are are UK candies. They're UK 
uh, candies, yes. Yeah. So, um, so what have you got? So in this thing, I just have to take my glasses from off. Cadbury. From Cadbury, yeah. The Richie uh, Rich's Butler. <laughs> there is. Uh, well, I'm start at the bottom here. Please. I don't know if it's the bottom, but from this side, uh, there's eclairs. Yeah, those are little round uh, caramel uh, candies with a bit of chocolate in the middle. Those are my wife's favorite. There's one called. This is called Fudge. It's just basically fudge. I imagine it's fudge. Is yeah. it got, do you got chocolate around the fudge? No, it's just kind of one one thing. It's a one note bar. One note. It's just the fudge. It's like you know how they say like uh, uh, you know when they're describing and this is uh, fudge wrapped in chocolate with a bit of it's just the fudge. <laughs> be like uh, uh, O Henry has fudge in it, mm. and uh, this would just be the fudge. Just the fudge. Just here, the fudge. Fat, here comes here comes the fudge. Um, and then we got the whisper. Wispa is uh, kind of like an arrow bar. That's what I always thought. It's just basically an arrow, isn't it? Yeah, or a mirage. Hmm. Then uh, there's just the plain old dairy milk. Yep, straight out dairy milk. Nice uh, chunk of chocolate, chocolate, but it's yeah. Cadbury chocolate, so pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Then we got Crunchy Bits. That is a crunchy bar, but small. I don't like So crunchy. that's a honey. Uh, that's Yeah, that's the like honeycomb, a honeycomb. Uh, the new, uh, it's, not, it's not a honeycomb. Not a, it's something, though. Oh. It's a thing. It's not a nougat. It's, yeah, it's something else. It's it's caramel, but you put yeah. baking soda in it. Okay, <laughs> I never like crunchy bars. Uh, then there's a twirl. Yeah, is that like That's a? Good. Is that basically like um? What's that other one called from England? The Are you talking a flaky? A flake bar is a twirl like a flake. It's a little flaky. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then um, because I don't think Cadbury makes a flake. Maybe I'm wrong though. And then uh, there's the dairy milk caramel. So that's yep. kind of like a caramel, I imagine. Yeah, caramel. Yeah, pretty much. Then we got the. Dinky Decker. Which is a smaller version of the Double Decker. Which is what? Which is uh, a kind of crunchy a crunchy bit and then some some chocolate. Okay. There, but yeah, it's a, it's that. And then we have the Creme Egg Twister. Yeah. That's Twisted, a, sorry. That's a uh, Cadbury egg, but in chocolate bar form. Don't like it. But you do not care for a Cadbury egg? I don't egg. like a Creme Egg. No, I don't. Okay. Um, but... I mean, most of this, I think, is is fine. It's not, none, none of this is my fave, my favorite, but it's okay. What would your fave be? What's your favorite type of chocolate? Are you want some nuts or something in there? Uh, my favorite is the my favorite ones are the Canadian ones. My favorite one is like a coffee crisp. Oh, okay, coffee, sure, all right, coffee yeah, crisp. they don't have that. They don't have that. But what's funny is, that, so I thought, well, let's open this up and we'll see what the popular one is. And I thought that this thing would be littered with crunchy bits. Oh, I, don't. I love crunchy bits. So you love crunchy bits, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. So see, I don't. So uh, to me, that's just garbage. That You're right. It's away. not called honeycomb. It's called something else. But yeah, yeah. yeah. my grandmother used to uh, buy them in bulk. But oh, like okay. For, okay. the 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 freaky deformed ones so <laughs> on weird angles. I liked it because you could uh, you could just like have it like melt in your mouth for a very long time and it would kind of pop. Okay, and that was a nice uh, nice sensation. Grandma bought the Crunchle bar, Crunchle mm. bars. But I opened it up, and to my shock, it was just full of dairy milk, which is yeah. weird. It's like chocolate, blah. Because I think the dairy milk are ones that we can get here, mm. and the other ones are novelties to people. I guess so that's it. I guess you're they right. They want to try a Dinky Decker or a Whisper Whisper of Fudge. <laughs> you know, one. We still got some Dinky Deckers here because people don't really know what those are. But uh, <laughs> I get these again. They're quite delicious. Well, it's good chocolate. I did have, I did, uh, before the show started, I had a dairy milk chocolate chunk. Well, feel free to have whatever and you like. It was like. Uh, very good. It was very good chocolate. You're correct. You and I are, after this, uh, we're going with my wife to see a uh, comedy concert. A comedy concert? A comedy concert um, mm-hmm. that is, uh, it's Mike Birbiglia's new show, Please Stop the Ride. Which the title is based on an old uh, bit that he did on, I think, my girlfriend's boyfriend. Okay. Yeah. Okay. About being on a tilt a whirl. I see. Um, yeah, I guess I guess I'm making a a uh, 
tradition of seeing a set of comedians with hard to pronounce last names. Oh, what was the last one? I saw Jeff, that. Zach Galifianakis? No, Nate. Nate, uh, I can't remember his name now. It's too hard to pronounce. Bergazzi? Yeah, Nate Bergazzi, yeah. He is coming to town again oh, this, is he? this month. You must like it here. He cranks out the material, man. He is a cranker? Yeah, I, 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 I started to like him, and then I, I went like, oh, let's see the specials he's got. And I was like, oh my God, it's a <laughs> lot of specials. Uh, Lisa liked... Lisa's, uh, she's such a, she, she became such a connoisseur of, uh, stand-up comedy while, while they, uh, that, um, the Laugh 1040, whatever it was called, was, was on the radio. Okay. That, uh, she, her re- reaction to Nate Bregazzi now is, I liked his early work. <laughs> so. All right. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Like, she, she has more opinions about stand-up comedians than I could ever have because I don't really know them. I'd be curious well if he as... like if she would like his current work more in five years when it becomes his early work as well, <laughs> and you are more used to it. I, yeah, I think she. I think to her, he's changed his style mm. in the in, since he started, which is not unusual. Which is necessary yeah. sometimes. Yeah, but... if you're still Dane Cook after all these years, <laughs> hey, where's Dane Cook? Um, he's he's uh, marrying someone who you go that doesn't work mathematically how old was she when they started dating huh huh oh yeah okay because <laughs> a lot of people um the uh yeah, it was funny the other night i was kind of flipping through some stand-up comedy on i think on prime game and um gary goldman came up yes and she's like oh i love gary goldman i'm like how do you even know who gary <laughs> goldman is but yeah she just listened to that station like whenever she was driving it was on so she has, you know, all her opinions about Kathleen Madigan and all everyone. Everyone. She like she has opinions about all of them. Does she uh ha- have you guys seen The Great Depression? The uh, Gary Gullman film about his depression? No. It's very good. Okay. Very, very good. That's my favorite of it. We're yeah, we when we were watching it was called In This Economy and it was quite an old one. It was like from, It's an old one, yeah. Yeah, 2011 or something like that. It's funny when sorry that I'm eating caramel while yeah, we're talking that sounds uh, gross. Oh, yeah, cuz you're eating the double decker now. No, I'm having an eclair. Oh, there is Oh, there's a fudge in there too. Oh my gosh. I was so wrong. Fudge it up, brother. Oh, yeah, it's fine. This but yeah, surprised. I was watching, I think it was in this economy, and, uh, you know, it was all these complaints about, like, Donald Trump, but not about yeah. anything. He was like, yeah, because yeah, he's a billionaire, and here's <laughs> the funny thing about billionaires. Like, that's your take? Yeah, yeah. That's your issue? Yeah. And, like, all these things he's worried about. And just like, I think the worst thing is, you know, the the economy, and uh, that's your problem? Like, oh, man. Yeah. You can go outside. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yes the past you want to just warn him what's coming and also that he's like keeping his depression to himself and he's not talking about it at this point and then later on he does mm. quite mm. a bit and he just becomes much happier much lighter and just much more free okay i'll have to give it it's funny because um he's one of those com- comedians where i see them and i go oh he's too good looking to be a comedian mm. he's not he's not gonna be funny because he's good <laughs> no one good looking should be funny there's no reason for them to have that corrective uh, you know, they don't need that. Yeah, he's got the football player body. Yeah. He talks about You that had all sometimes. the social grease you needed, sir. You didn't need any humor as part of that. Well, you know the uh, his title of his most recent special, right? No. Uh, Born on Third Base. Okay. So it's that. That's oh. what you're referring to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there were problems, definitely, that he had. Of course, because... You know, like the idea that because you're good looking, you'll have no, you'll have no social anxiety or whatever. Like, it's just ridiculous. And of course, I'm joking when I say that. Mm-hmm. Sort of joking, also bitter. I'm reading his book now, uh, Misfit, which mm. uh, is very. Uh, here's the problem: it's thorough. We're still talking about Gary Gary Goldman, right? Yeah, because I was talking about uh, Ryan Reynolds. 
Ah. No, I wasn't. <laughs> wow. You're very bad at transitions. <laughs> We've seen, all heard this show. Dave is uh, anti-trans. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. No, I mean anti-transitions. <laughs> he cannot do a segue to save his life. I can ride one. No problem with LGBTQ community at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, transitions. And he starts speaking of the LGBTQ community. Oh, he's a terrible at it. <laughs> Did you hear that? That was, uh, sound like he had a mouthful of caramel. God damn it, why'd I eat this one? This was the worst choice. Podcasting and drooling. Oh my God. I'm trying so hard to chew this so that it goes away and it's just making more. Anyway, he's got a book called uh, Misfit. Misfit, okay. But each chapter is basically a year in his life mm. and it's very thorough. And unnecessary at points where you're just like, <laughs> yeah, that's very well described. You're right. You're really taking me there. Mm. But like, it feels bad. Because like, get to the depression. Mm. Get to the problems. Come on, get to it. Well, I guess um, you want to. I guess you want to give a grounding to why you mm-hmm. feel the way you, or why you are the way you are. And it's funny. Like, I, I, uh, there's a show that was recommended to me by our, our musical act, Chris Roberts, called. Um, Word in Your Ear, which is a kind of a podcast from people who were involved with Word Magazine when it was still extant. Okay. The magazine is gone, but the podcast lives on. And uh, whenever they have people on who's, who've written like a memoir, with, you know, musicians usually, because that's a, it's a musical show, um, the two guys who do the show are always, they just love the incredible detail that people can bring <laughs> to, their, to their, that is, to them, that is the most fascinating part. And I think partly for them, it's nostalgic. You know, because they're old, they're older, they're yeah. older than us, which is like older than dirt, in other words. And so to them, it's uh, there's a nostalgic element, you know, just like, oh, you describe it so well. You forget the streets were da 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 da, or you forget this one. <laughs> All right, okay, I guess that paints a picture, but of their youth. Yeah. You know, like if I read it, it would be meaningless to me. Like I, I grew up in a totally different sort of situation. Although someone the other day said, Remember collecting bottles and taking them to the store to buy candy? And I was like, oh, my God, I totally forgot. That's something that you did as a kid. So, yeah, that, I had totally forgotten about that. It was the thing that you'd walk down the street carrying uh, bottles and you'd go to the, you go to the bottle. You go to their corner store where they would take the bottles back. There was no bottle depots in those days. Uh, and, uh, yeah, unfortunately, then I learned something. What's it? Which, uh, is, which, is? which was, okay, um, <laughs> this is mostly in Burlington, Ontario, where okay. I did this and it became my obsession. <laughs> Um, which is, yeah, you take bottles in and they give you money. That's right. Yeah. Then they take those bottles and they put the bottles off to the side. And there's these shopping carts that were full of like Coca-Cola and Pepsi bottles and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Around that time, uh, there were a lot of contests that Pepsi and Coke would have where underneath the bottle caps, oh, yes. you could get like a free Coke, mm-hmm. you could win money, mm. you could win prizes, and people wouldn't know that. Or, or could be, couldn't be bothered to Could look. not be bothered. <laughs> but who could be bothered? Me, with my little knife. And, and so I would ask, you know, is it okay if I look under the bottle caps? I mean, like, oh, we don't fucking care, says, you know, this adult who, in retrospect, was 12, uh, <laughs> you know, who's there, who just was taller than me. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'd be around the, I'd just be, like, taking the caps off and, like, popping it up. And if there's a winner, pocket, 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 pocket. And by the end of it, I'd just have tons of free soda mm. and tons of, occasionally, money. There'd be, like, $5, $10 or something like that, which back then was infinity money. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Then i just go to the... <laughs> grocery counter and just like there you go and they'd be yep you're right and and give me my money and give you know me my sodas and I'd walk home yeah and my parents would be what are you 
why did you have to get all that? I'm just like, no, it's just the bottle. Oh, you shouldn't do that. That's not clean. It's like, I'll wash my hands. And like, I've got a bunch of soda and I've got money. So I didn't uh, go out looking for a nickel at a time or whatever yeah. bottles. Yeah. The only problem with the winning the soda was uh, you had to pay the deposit. Okay. So it wasn't a free wasn't Coke. Totally free, it was yeah. five cents. Five cents. And so I was like, oh, I've got to pay five cents for this Coca Cola. Yeah. But yeah, I was the king of soda. Wow. Yeah, I didn't really didn't drink a lot of soda as a kid. So what if it was free? I guess. What if there was money underneath it? <laughs> yeah. Might have. I didn't even know. Yeah, you had a paper route. That was your source flyer, of my flyer route. Yes, flyer route. That was your source of dosh. I think. Well, been nice if I could have kept that money, but had to give it to my mom. Why? Because I got an allowance out of the. Out of my paper money. That's not an allowance. No. <laughs> no, it's weird. That's not an allowance. Yeah, I used to uh, do paper route. Yeah. Even when I did my paper route, I would have to give her my money. Yeah, that's not an allowance. And then no. I would get an allowance out of it. No, allowance is someone paying you. <laughs> you're you're paying yourself. Uh-huh. I know. And what what would she do with the extra money? I don't really know. I don't. I think she put it like into like a clothes allowance or whatever. Like just that went into like. To general general revenue, <laughs> it's right? Like, it's probably like our gas tax. You know, does it go for gas? Did your brothers also pay their the own brothers? Do they get an allowance, and did they pay for their own allowance? My uh, my middle brother worked for a while as a paper boy, but not as long as I did. And then um, my younger brother did not work as a paper boy, but he still got an allowance. I don't know. I don't don't remember. I don't. I didn't know. I didn't ask some questions about there. Who t- asked people questions about money in those days? No one did. You know? well, I think that your brothers would tell you. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't like remember. mom and dad are taking my money. <laughs> yeah, no. Also, I do you have the opportunity at any point to uh, hide any of that money for yourself? Mm, well, like, I was it, were you paid by check or cash? Paid by cash usually, just because I would go collect right. it. But I was so too, you just give her the. I was a good kid. I gave it to my mom. Okay. Did you ever, uh, when you became a parent, yeah. and there was allowance time, similar situation, or was it? Uh, you I never. The girls never had allowance and stuff like that. They never had allowance. No. no. Okay. What, what was their source of money then? Us. They would just ask for money randomly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If they wanted something. If they thought I thought they should get it. That was fine. Okay. I mean, kids don't really have huge demands. I have no problem buying an Archie Digest. No, the reason. Safely. I mean, the reason people save for an allowance is. To get kids to know how money works mm. is just like you've now got to save your money. Yeah, you get this amount. So I guess it. I mean, I guess you got to build up for whatever. <laughs> for me, it was just more like it just felt like money was so rare that when you got it, you just wanted to like spend it, you know, because you just there's always things you wanted that you could never get. And so when you finally got a bit of money in your in your hot little hands, it was just like I got to go to the movies. Yeah, because there's a lot of movies I haven't seen. I want to see them a lot. Or I got to go get a record or I have to get this book that I really wanted, you know? I had the weird situation of then, like when I was 13, started to work a little bit for a TV show. And so, you know, I'd occasionally get these bursts of money Mm. and be like, oh, I can buy what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I did not spend it well. (laughs) I think, well, I think money habits are partly like, like your personality, you know, like um, Eve is very good. Is very good with being and being careful with her money, and which is very like her mom. Whereas Mary is more like me, which is I'm a bit of a, a you know here today, well gone today, gone tomorrow kind of right. with my money. So. It, it was rare when I was a kid that I would have money come in at any consistent uh, mm. situation. It would be like, it was feast or famine. Yeah, and so when it was feast, it was like get the things you need now. 
because this money's going to go away. It's just going to go away no matter what. You know, yeah. you can tr- pretend you're going to save it, but there'll always be some kind of crazy expense or some shit that will go down and you'll need to spend it. Well, what's weird is that, like, so when I was in grade four, I started doing a flyer route, which I had 100 houses that I had to deliver 100 flyers to. I got a Nikola flyer. Okay. Um, and I did that for a couple, for a couple years, and then we, then we moved, and then I got a paper route when our, a neighbor across the street was giving up his route. Uh, but that was, wasn't a daily thing. That was a weekly thing, right? Or was it was it? daily. Oh, was it daily? Daily oh, okay. paper, yeah. It was the Columbian. Okay. Which was published in New Westminster. Okay. We used to have three newspapers here in, in BC. Sun Province and the Columbian. Yeah. I, I don't remember the Columbian. Yeah, no. it was a smaller paper. Okay. And when I took it over, it had a, I had quite a few customers because at that time the... The province and the sun were on strike, so there was, they weren't being published. So mm. for about three months or so, I was raking in the dough. I had like 70 customers. It was great. But wow. then when they came back in, I dropped back down to like a very small amount. And so then I, I started delivering the sun. But what's weird is that in all that time, my brothers never had to work. Like I was doing like a, like the flyer route was three times a week. So it wasn't like a daily thing, but I did it three times a week from grade four till grade six till we moved. And then, uh, in grade seven, I started to work delivering the paper. I think in grade nine, when I was in grade nine, so my brother would have been grade eight, he got a paper route as well. And so we were both did this Vancouver Sun together. I started in grade seven, no, grade eight, because a friend was moving who did, who had the route. And so he gave me, he like recommended me to the, to the guy who was in charge of the paper. It was a weird system then because, so when you got, so when in those days, like here, we had what was called the paper shack. And it was just like a, literally a shack that was, yeah. There was just like a portable shack to set up, uh, and it was just set up in a utility, like in a, where the hydro lines ran. So just in a hydro easement, they just put this paper shack. And so the paper would get delivered, the papers would get delivered there by a truck, and there'd be the shack manager. And his job was to go and op- open it up and make sure everyone, you know, got the papers they needed and, and the inserts and stuff like that, because we had to stuff the papers as well. So if you had like, if you had, if you had like a, sometimes there'd be like the weekend, magazine plus plus the funnies and sometimes there'd be like flyers and stuff like that so you'd have to put all the flyers into the into the paper and then put them you into you wouldn't your... have to put the funnies in yep really yep. why were the funnies separate they were separate in the in the in the weekend because they were a color and the rest of the paper wasn't color all right so they were the only color part of it so those oh. would just be in a separate in a separate bundle and so that would so get strange and they would come in these co- with copper wire around them which always struck me as interesting and so yeah we just there was like a big pair of snips and snip open the these things, and then we just quickly stuff our papers, throw them in our, our bag, and then and then ride off and do our route. And uh, yeah, it was very different, <laughs> different world. So the shack manager got like extra money for running the shack. Plus, he had a paper route that he did as well. And so I did that till grade twelve. And then I wanted to do like after school plays and things like that, which I couldn't, I could never do. I could never do any after school activities through all of high school because I had a I had a job after school, so I would have to. Um, which was fine. I didn't want to have to do the province, which was the morning paper. That would involve getting up really early to deliver. So I, I was fine with doing an afternoon route. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it did kind of take in, go into your social life. And when I was in grade 12, I finally started, like, having, like, a social life at school for the first time in my life. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to quit doing the newspaper. I'll get a different job. And so I quit doing my newspaper route. Then I didn't have another job for, like, two years. But mm-hmm. at the t- time, it seemed like, oh, I can just get an easy, a job easily. So, um, so yeah, I quit the route then. But it's just... It's just weird to me that my brothers, I don't know why I was the one who had to get like a job in grade four. My brothers didn't. I don't, I don't it's just so weird. Like, like, you get out there and earn your bread. What are they doing? How come these two layabouts just get to watch TV and play? I'm out carrying, dragging a big wagon of, of flyers around a neighborhood 
putting them on door to door. And unlike a paper route where you, you know, you have like 30 papers or 35 papers or 40 or whatever. And you, you know, a flyer route was like a, every house, every yeah. house you had to stop at. But you didn't have to collect, which is good. No, we didn't have to collect. But I didn't mind collecting because I like, really? I, like, yeah, I like my customers. They're nice people. Okay. Just because then you got to deal with the, oh, I don't have. Oh, that's sometimes. But most people are very nice. And let me tell you, when you had like a, when you had like a, we had a roller thon for um, band one year. That's one that pops into my mind. Like if you had anything, like any kind of school fundraising thing, yeah, your newspaper customers were like the best people in the world. Oh, because they were totally supportive, so supportive. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Like All they, I could think is like, because uh, again, they pay you, in and can- they gave me Christmas gifts. Oh, that's good. I would get tips at Christmas, or I would get chocolate. You know, and they would just be like sitting out on the. <laughs> the first time these people gave it to me, they didn't even write anything on it. They just like left chocolate laying on their right on their steps. And when I got there, and I thought. I guess this is for me. You guys are surrounded by all these dead dogs. <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Smells like almonds? Yeah. Bitter almonds. Oh, perfect. So, uh, yeah. Uh, they're very nice. Bunch of chocolate uh, paper boys in the basement. And often they like talk. They just like talk for like half an hour. Sure. Just blab. They're like, oh, this is nice. Uh, so would you collect cash? Yep. Now, here's what I don't get. Okay. Is how, and again, it's like, what a different time. Mm. You know, what an Andy Griffith time. We're like, you know, so those these young kids with yeah. like pockets full of cash, <laughs> yeah, just so. brimming with brimming with untraceable bucks yeah. that have no way of fighting back. And they're all going through the neighborhood on a route that you understand and can sure. like track them on. Different times. And like, uh, yeah, never uh, never any shenanigans yeah, there. Different times. For sure. Yeah. It was just uh, very innocent times. And uh, yeah, you got, usually I think I would collect around $70. A month for myself and then the other half of that went to the newspaper so i would have to collect and then i would split it in half and half that went to the newspaper company and mm. and half of it went to my pocket all my mom's pocket i sort of remember the colombian weird <laughs> yeah. when did they go out of business it would have been mid 80s or so okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah all right it makes sense they had i mean it's too bad because well, it's, just, it's, too, it's too bad, but that was because that was just the economy kind of tanked at that time, and interest yeah. rates shot through the roof. And we did uh, Sunday papers. I remember that, and we had to stuff things and mm. what have yeah. you. And the only thing I didn't like about it was um, uh, dogs, because yeah. there was a lot of loose dogs that would uh, <laughs> decide, you know, hey, you're the enemy, and I'm going to kill mm. you now. Mm. And, like, and, and people didn't seem to give a shit. Yeah, and if it. they did, they'd be like, hey, hey, stop it, <laughs> no. No. no, and the dogs would immediately when someone went no go oh well stop then <laughs> you're really overriding my instinct to tear this person to pieces <laughs> with your uh, gentle. Uh... I didn't really have. I did get bitten a couple times, but I always got bitten by small dogs. I never got bitten by a mm-hmm. big dog. Big dogs are fine. Small dogs are the sneaky little jerks. They're the ones that get you when you're not looking. I got bit twice in the like the back of my legs. Get out of here, little dog. But uh, once again, yes, in front of the people. They were not. But eh, dogs. Again, what are you gonna do? It's a world. It's a world we live in with dogs. Yeah, and I tell my friends about that. I get bitten by a dog, and they'd be like, "Oh, you got to go get checked out for rabies." Like, <laughs> ah, it's probably not. I know, but if you don't, you'll die. And so, you know, I basically the next day I'd wake up and go, "Well, I didn't die. That's mm. good. Yeah, it's good to know that I'm not dead." But you know, go to sleep going, "I might die," <laughs> but I don't want to get because I watched the Fat Albert episode where they talked about rabies. Okay, and they said like, you know, you have to go into the doctor and you get a whole bunch of needles in your stomach, mm. and I was like, "Nah." I'll die. <laughs> That's fine. No I don't thanks. Know. I don't know. No one wants uh, belly needles. Get rabies. Yes. Helpful friends there. The helpful friends. I mean, again, nowadays, right now, I would uh, I would go in if there was a bat. 
I would absolutely because I, you know, I know two people who have actually gotten rabies. Yeah, you know, in the last uh, ten years. Mm. So uh, yeah, and I like that in both their cases, they both went. I don't have rabies. This is stupid. And all their friends were like, or they they had enough friends who were like, go get checked out. <laughs> like, okay, well, you're gonna look like a fool when I come back. They came back. I had rabies. Yeah. You saved my life. Thank you. <laughs> and then that person had to then say to another person like, you gotta go get checked out. I'm like, I don't want to get checked out. That's stupid. It's like, well, keep, well good, good, good. I'm like, oh, fuck, fine. I'll go get checked out. Well, I have rabies too. You're right. Thank you. Save my life. <laughs> and so like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, it's interesting how prevalent it is in bats here. Mary was bitten by a pine marten who was molesting the chickens at, at, when she was at the camp. And uh, she went to the hospital to get checked out for rabies. And they're just kind of like, eh, it's not, a, eh, no big deal. This is pine marten. She's like, well, don't they have rabies? I guess it's not a problem with pine martens. But okay, bats, all right. bats, look out. Yeah, bats. It, it, it was interesting. Yeah, my first friend, Went to the hospital and she was like waiting for the eye roll from the doctor, right? Mm, mm. And the it wasn't the eye roll; it was the squint and then the pullback and then the <laughs> okay, here we go. All right, oh, and it's the it's one of those times where you know you go to the doctor mm. and uh, you get the you're expecting one thing and they go like, "All right, come on right in." Like, yeah. ooh, you don't want that. Come on right in. You want the it's going to be a bit of a wait. <laughs> I love I love an emergency. It's going to be a bit of a wait. Yeah, might be a couple of hours. I'm like, good. That's great. I'll take it. I'll take it. Sure. I'll take that over whatever is the well, come on right in, sir. Yeah. Right this way, please. Yeah. Lisa's Lisa's dad had to go into emergency last week. He oh, fell. I'm sorry. He fell. Um, he was over at our place. He's never come before. He used to never. He used to never want to do it. We we have, every year we have um, Chinese food. Uh, on Lisa's mom's birthday, does your does her mom like Chinese food? She used to love to have Chinese food on her birthday. Yeah, yeah that was her that was her oh, thing. Oh, that's nice. So we always do it every year. Just, a, just that's really sort of sweet. a memory of her. What was her mom's favorite food? Uh, Chinese food. I don't yeah. really know what her favorite oh, okay. was of the uh, yeah. Um, if only she were here to ask. Yeah, but her dad has never come in all the years we've done it since since her mom passed away. Mm. He's never come until this year. He came. Uh, now that he can't remember anybody, he came and. Um, but he totally overate, mm-hmm. and you know, and I guess we, I guess we're not savvy enough to know what that means, which is that he's dementia, so he doesn't know how much he should eat. Mm. I think, I think uh, Lisa's brother and sister-in-law were like, "Oh, it's great, Dad's eating. He hardly ever eats, so this is great. He's he's having lots yeah. of food. You know, this is good. His, his appetite's coming back." But instead, he woke up in the night. He vomited during the night because he'd yeah. eaten too much, and then he got out of bed, and then he fell, and he he and hit his head this is like the third time this has happened so they took him to emergency and so i was thinking about the emer- the emergency part of it which is that it's so crazy now like he just had a bed in emergency and he was there for like over like a week basically he's still there today so he went in last friday and he's there today so he's been in a week just in emergency not, not in the hospital itself not with a bed in a room just in the emergency ward yeah in a bed uh, seems kind of weird, but there you go. We went and visited him. Lisa and I went and visited him last Sunday. Uh, and, of course, he didn't know who we were. And he just seemed to think it was a big <laughs> it was a big bother having him having to be there. Right. And does he have... Uh, has Does he give you any, like, feelings of how he feels generally? Like, you're saying it's a bother this time. Mm. But, like, does he kind of sense you know you're good people or you're a positive or it's hard to know like because i know my grandmother would i would not know who i was sometimes Mm. but i could tell that she knew that i was someone 
good that she should like. And she well, put on the... That, the but the thing is, is like that's everyone. Mm. That's everyone that approaches you, a person with dementia. Because they learn... When it first starts happening, they learn to fake it. Yeah, yeah, I got that. And so it becomes a habit. And then the habit becomes... This sort of takes over. Yeah. So when, gra- when Grandpa, when Dad sees us, he, he, he always says like, And how are you? And how are you? Yeah. Not in that kind of, oh, how are, how are you? Like, it's also, kind of, you're going to give some clues, maybe. So it's not that, that he says it in a way that's personal, like like that you have a personal relationship. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. say it in a way that's like a stranger would say. Like if you yeah. met someone on the bus or, you know, or someone came walk up to you and you went, oh, you know, how are you? You wouldn't have that same kind of sound, right? But his is very much like, we know each other. Yeah. And when he first did that to me, I was like, oh, dad still remembers me. It wasn't until he started asking me questions about what I did for a living and stuff like that, I realized, oh, he doesn't know who I am at yeah. all. <laughs> Shit. Uh, but that was like the first time that I realized he had forgotten who I was. And, and I just realized, yeah, it's been this kind of slow loss of memory, you know. And at first it was just things like, oh, he doesn't know who the girls are. Like he doesn't remember their names. How, you know, how odd or whatever. But not like, oh, my God, he's getting dementia. That's not, what you, that's not where your mind went, right? Your mind kind of went like, oh, you know, he's getting older. And I guess it's like forgetting some things. Uh, and then you're like, you start thinking back and you're like, how much of that was he like totally faking? <laughs> that, that we just assumed that he knew things that he didn't know anymore but he could just fake it because we just assumed his knowledge of certain things you know and yeah it's interesting like lisa he loves ham sandwiches and lisa figured he wouldn't be enjoying the the hospital food and so she brought him a ham sandwich with some strawberries and a little in a little uh, case a little box and she gave it to him and he put it aside because to talk to us and you know he put it down talked to us for a minute and then he turned to it and went what's this started looking at it He's like, oh, it's a ham sandwich, Dad. It's for you. He's like, oh, okay, put it down. Talked for a little bit. Picked it up again. What is this? <laughs> like, like, oh, he doesn't remember anything. Like, his mind is really, it's really lost. And it's not Alzheimer's, which is a different sort of thing than what he has. His is like, just because his, the artery, like all the blood supply to his brain has narrowed. Like all the yeah. stuff has just gotten, some of it's damaged, some of it's just narrowed, some of it's not working anymore. And it's just the blood supply isn't going there anymore, so his brain is shrinking from from lack of oxygen, and and uh, it's just it's kind of a all downhill from here, unfortunately. Yeah. And it was just sad, you know. It's Lisa's dad was just a person who was full of stories, full of stories. You know, had a story for every occasion. You know, used to bug me sometimes because it was always felt like he was trying to top you. Mm-hmm. You know, you tell a story to be like, "Well, you think that's a story? Let me tell you this story." It's yeah. a different uh, era of person, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And. Uh, and yeah, but you know, and he can still tell those stories occasionally. Like things yeah. will, he'll be like, "Oh, I remember this," or you know, da, da, da. but a lot of it's just lost, lost forever. Just sad because uh, it's lost forever. We'll never hear those stories again. You know, he can't fix anything that he puts his mind to anymore. You know, which is sad. What type of uh, setup does he have where he uh, where he lives? Is it like uh, like a, a bathroom and then like a kind of bed area and then? Well, it's a it's a basement suite, so it's, oh, he's got like a full basement. Suite. Yeah, okay, he lives. Right. He lives. He and my he and my brother in law bought a house together. Okay, so my brother in law lives upstairs with his wife, and then my father in law lives downstairs. And so, you know, he's got like a open kitchen, living room area. Okay, and then kind of like a study area, then his bedroom, and, and then he a bathroom. Can read still and stuff. Or? He can't read anymore. He can't watch television anymore. Okay, because he doesn't remember. He can't remember like a minute at a time. So. You know, the plot makes no sense to him and he can't read anymore because I guess he could look at pictures. Like, and he has, you know, he's of an age. So he loves like World War II, sure. you know, books and stuff like that. He loves planes. You know, he's an air, aircraft mechanic. So he loves planes and he loved World War II planes and stuff. So he has a lot of that 
I guess he could look through them, but I don't think they would. I don't know if they'd have any mem- meaning to him now. You know, mm. I wouldn't think he'd look at them and go. Oh, this. Although he was talking about working as a working um, as a mechanic, and when he when he tried to open his locked front door with a chisel, um, he was telling Lisa that they had called him that morning, and he and he had to like pack up his tools and go flap country to, to to serve as a plane that had gone down. Oh wow! Somewhere, <laughs> so which is what he did when he was younger. So I guess he's just remembering those days still. So that's good. I mean, it's good that he has me- like some memories and stuff, and he can remember. Uh, he still knows Lisa's brother, but I don't know if he knows his relation to him or if he just knows his name through repetition. Because he sees them a lot more than he sees us, obviously, because they live upstairs. And he goes and eats with them every day. Yeah, I was just wondering, like, uh, you know, with something like, you know, you, if, you, if you brought him a sandwich and you put it in his fridge, would it make sense to write ham sandwich on the wrapper mm. so he would know, like, when, you know, what, what it is? Yeah. Like, would he be able to read that, um, that amount? That's I think he could do that, amount. yeah. He could do that. Yeah. Like, he, doesn't, he knows how to read. So, and so, yeah, we do do that because otherwise they'll, it'll just go bad in the fridge and it'll be there in a yeah. few weeks or whatever. You got you to gotta change the food out for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was never quite sure with my grandmother and like her reading, her reading level or reading ability, or if she was just, you know. And then you kind of get into like, did she read like before anyway? Really, you know, she's kind of from yeah. an era that like, you know, she probably didn't go to like proper school. My my mm. grandfather took care of all that sort of thing. Okay. okay. So I could conceivably see her never reading a book really, mm. you mm. know. And now she's into this. I'm like, oh, maybe she can, maybe she can't. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, and what's interesting is Mark was, uh, he's been in the hospital, Mark was saying, Lisa's brother was saying that he is, he said, yeah, he's really sharp, and like, he remembered my name, and da da da, and I said to Lisa, I said, well, that's really interesting, and I wonder if, like, the st- stimulus of being in the hospital is giving him, like, mm. helping him a little bit, because most of the time, he's just by himself, sure, all day long, yeah, just sitting in a chair, you know, like, we all work, we can't be there, you know, he does, like I say, he eats dinner with, with uh, my brother Long sister-in-law, but um, other than that, you know, he's just by himself a lot of the time, and so you kind of wonder if maybe, maybe a home. I mean, there's a big, there's a lot of guilt about putting your parent into a home because you feel like you're you're giving up on them or that you're just kind of cheating. <laughs> I'm gonna just put you in this, but at the, at the same time, like the reality is, our lives we just aren't home that much, you know. And so if you did have a parent you're looking after at home, there's a lot of time when they're just by themselves. Like like I say, like that is just by himself in the basement suite. So. I just wonder if that's maybe better for him, that there's less, you know, of that, whatever they call it, sundowning or whatever, where, yeah. you know, then they get tired and it gets harder for them to remember things. They get more confused and stuff. If that's, you know, because there's more stimulation, they're more aware of things and they're just kind of more with it. Uh, but, and you probably pick up on the sadness of the people around you, like seeing you when you do do something that's like, Oh, he doesn't remember. He doesn't. This. <laughs> oh, we don't and, react like that. No, I understand. Okay. You don't. Or at least. Okay. I get that you, 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 yeah. you, I don't want to say you don't think you do, but like, you know, people can pick up on stuff sometimes <laughs> oh, yeah, too, sure where you get, where you get the, the little, and you can tell that you're not, <laughs> that you're disappointing someone yeah. with what you're saying and you don't know why you're disappointing them, but mm. you wouldn't be disappointing the staff at a place that yeah, you know, knows yeah. how to handle mm. the situation. That's true. No, I think we've been pretty good with that. We don't have that. There's a, uh, one of our friends has that kind of weird desire to like make him remember you know, when she was there sure. at Christmas time, she had her phone out and she was like showing him pictures going, do you remember this? Do you remember this? And stuff like that. He's like, no, no. <laughs> What's the point? What's the point of like putting this quiz together? You know, like it doesn't make any sense. So, mm-hmm. you know, he remembers what he remembers and 
you know, you just have a conversation with him. You're a stranger talking to him. Uh, he, he has no problem talking to you. He's, and he'll tell you, tell you stories when he feels like it or just sort of complain a little bit. But, yeah. But you can't, I, you know, I have no, there's no time that I go, dad, don't you remember it's me, David. I've never, <laughs> never said that, you know, because it's pointless. It would just only confuse him or frustrate him. The idea that he should know me, but he doesn't, that's frustrating. And, or the idea that I'm frustrated to him is, is also, it could be scary, I guess. No, I think it's just better that we just, you just roll with it. Mm-hmm. Just whatever, whatever's going on is going on. And, uh, yeah, it is sad though. It is sad. The inevitability of the end of life. It's interesting. I've got a, my grandfather-in-law is uh 98. I thought he was 99, but he's 98. As I said, like he just got jury duty, uh, <laughs> notification. Uh, it's a good excuse, uh, to, for getting out of jury duty, it's just like, is it going to be a long trial? Because 98. <laughs> Probably, listen, one of you, one of the people could get life and it might be him. Um, but it, it's, it's interesting when I, up until recently when I've gone over, he's, he's basically tried to get me to read his manifesto. Okay. Yeah, he's like so interested in politics and I'm like, I got no idea if this is real. I d- I've got no idea if I start to read this, it would just be hot nonsense and wingdings. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, but, but yeah. He's, His manifesto. Know, yeah. He's basically like, he's a very staunch communist. Okay. And uh, he's got very strong opinions on, on, sure, on, sure. on things. And, you know, to, to me, it's just like, well, just go online, man. <laughs> and I think he does. Like, he's got a computer and he writes these things okay, up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like, he's not. I just, is there much more to say? manifesto wise with communism i don't i don't think that's how they work okay i don't think it's just like you know i think they've already said enough on this subject well then that's it for me i guess i'm gonna try uh anarchy i'll try something else let's try you yeah. know but i just yeah i mean but when like i don't know andre breton wrote his surrealist manifesto sure. that's new no one had no one had like formulated surrealism before that's great but i mean i feel like we already have like Das Kapital and yeah. all the other works of Marx and Engels, and they're a very interesting family that's been through a lot. Uh, Lenin wrote and, one, uh, and and yeah, but the first Trotsky. time I ever, first time I ever met him, you know, it was uh, he he brought out his documents that he wanted me to read and go over, and I was like, oh, uh-huh. okay, and then he said some stuff that was like, Ooh. Yeah. and then I got like, uh, uh, and then I got like my, <laughs> I guess aunt-in-law, yeah, that came over from. You just gotta understand, he doesn't like Jews. Like, oh. oh, well, that's <laughs> it's terrible. Wait, <laughs> you just have wait. To understand. What? Yeah, how's he... that got to do with it? First of all, it had nothing Where's to do from? with the subject at hand. Where's he from? Chile. Hmm. So, like, it, it's had nothing to do, and uh, there, yeah, there's there's a lot of. Is stories. he mad at Trotsky? There's a lot of. Okay. I don't know about that, uh, but you know, it was all and rightfully so about you know things about man's inhumanity to man and. Trust me, he's been through enough tragedy and awful things that mm. you go like, I get how there's a lot of shit. Like, sure. we will talk to relatives of ours that I know, and they've been through the worst things imaginable. Like, yeah. imaginable. Sure. The end. Sure. Like, uh, so, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he really wanted me to read this stuff. And, like, there was a thing recently where uh, he said to – because he's living with um, his daughter-in-law, yeah. my, uh, my mother-in-law. Yeah. Um, uh, about how, you know, he was just upset that me and uh, Pia had, uh, and I think Vicky as well, had no empathy. Well, you didn't read his manifesto. Well, that's the thing. That's a good, fair, that's a fair point. And yeah, my mother-in-law <laughs> lost her shit at him for that. It's just so strange because like, again, my wife 
you know. It's pretty great that he's 98 and still has all his uh, faculties. Well, let's not... Let's not go nuts. Uh, <laughs> it's what I say to him when I'm talking to him. Because not, okay, not every, okay, he's he's a factory. Yeah. Not every part of the factory is oh, okay. up and running. Okay. <laughs> but the factory is still making still some pr- things. still producing manifestos. Quality control has been cut back <laughs> All right. far. All right. Uh, yeah, it's kind of an angry factory. Did you like open the manifesto and it was just like a lot of stuff about Zionists and it was kind of like gently close? Uh, I didn't really read it. You didn't really I read don't it think, at all. And I okay. think it, oof, I don't know if it was necessarily in English. Oh. To be honest, I didn't read the manifesto because I had other things to do. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't blame you. I'm so Somebody sorry. Someone put a manifesto on my lap. I don't think I but would. But he has been, my yeah, lap? been putting things lap, I... online and I'm not sure how much mm. realistically people have been realistically responding to mm. or what's going on. Mm. Yeah. You hear things that he says and go like i don't know if this is true i don't know if this is not <laughs> but anyway I, apparently i have no empathy neither does my wife yeah neither does my sister-in-law sure they're two of the most empathetic people i know yeah uh and also the thing that's completely frustrating is uh you know that uh you know he's so interested in politics and my wife is a political cartoonist yeah and he doesn't understand that Mm. He doesn't understand that at all. You can't explain that. You mm. could not show that. Yeah. You could not. He will nod and like look at the cartoons and be like, she was a Pulitzer Prize on us this year. He knows about the Pulitzer Prizes. He knows what that is. Yeah. But, you know, and he knows uh, who his uh, granddaughter is and he loves her as his granddaughter. And it's like, okay, so your granddaughter, who you love, and the Pulitzer Prize, which you know about, she's a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize this year. You know she likes to draw, right? Okay. She's a cartoonist, editorial cartoonist. Here's the editorial cartoons. Uh, what? Doesn't get it. Can't connect with it. Can't make any sense of it. Please read my manifesto. <laughs> and it's back to that. And it goes into that loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, it's so freaking frustrating. It's like, you would actually be interested yeah. If you were in any way interested in something that wasn't you, mm. if yes, you in any way thing, could yeah. break out of the narcissism, <laughs> you would be able to, you would really enjoy it. Mm. Like, there's so much interesting thing here. Like, so, boof. So, a bit of a drag. So, are you saying... I don't know what I'm saying. Are you saying that all communists are narcissists? Mm. Yeah, well, they share their narcissism <laughs> with everybody. It's a communal narcissism. It's, equal, it's equally distributed, so, the narcissism uh, yeah. around. Well, it depends what kind of communism it is. So. Sometimes and you, you know have what? to have I'm, the government not... has to be narcissistic and, and then give out the narcissism to the people, you know, yes. to the workers, because they're not quite ready yeah. for that yet. Frankly, yeah. let's just spread out the opiates while we're, we're at it. <laughs> I don't care what they are. I don't care if they're a metaphor or they're real. Let's yeah. just take some and let's see how that goes and see if that we, we become better people from that. Yeah, I'm even like empathetic about him thinking that I have no empathy. So I think that I've got some empathy, but it's also frustrating. <laughs> uh, you know, see, it's this thing like Lisa's dad is like 100 times more easy to get along with than when he was alive and didn't like me very much. It's so much better now. Like he doesn't know who I am and he thinks I'm great. Right. You said when he was alive. Did I say when he's alive? Yeah. <laughs> when his when his brain okay, was okay. Basically, fully what working. you just did was confess to a murder. I did. no. <laughs> I think I don't think, think so. Was. I just think I was. I think you. I, I was think reading, it was reading the future. Reading okay. the future tea leaves in my Coke bottle here. Okay. Well, that's not much reading the tea leaves. What? <laughs> I'm just saying, like older people will die one day. <laughs> yeah. But apparently, then you'll be much closer. We'll be with his uh, with his ghost. Yes, uh, I'm sorry. It's getting dark here. His, his memories, his memory will live forever until I stop remembering things. Yeah. Yes. the The warning is. Uh, I don't know what the warning is. What the moral is of the story is. Um, 
treat your kids nicely, and then they'll be more empathetic <laughs> of you when you get older. Right, and write the manifesto <laughs> early, and put some jokes in it for crying out put loud. Put some jokes in your Start manifesto. Start with a joke, end with a joke. Yep, that's true. You know? What do you call a fascist who blah, 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 Okay, now that I've got your attention, yes. communism. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't like Jews, though. Oh, my God. That was one that I almost, <laughs> where, 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 where I just like, and I got it whispered to me. Yes. I guess and this is a way tried, of explaining. Try not to laugh, as in like. That's the thing you whisper? Like that's the <laughs> what you gotta understand is yeah. okay, and this is gonna explain everything. Mm. It's like he was hit on the head as a child. He was he's going through a rough time. Yeah. He's yeah. anti-Semitic. Oh, okay then. Well that's fine then. <laughs> My mistake. I'm sorry, I thought there was an issue here. But you're just saying it's just hate. It's just hate. Oh well then oh, okay. okay. Well, well let's have hate. dinner then. Why are we eating my my mistake? My mistake. Mm. Yeah. How many people have you had to tell this to? Everyone? Like do, do, do you just not want this to like come out just randomly? Well, yeah, dinner? because if he says something, you're supposed to pre know and then you're supposed to be like, Oh, well that's just him. Yeah. Which is a weird just weird. It is. You know what I should have done? And I feel bad about this. I could have written a manifesto. You wrote a manifesto. I could have. And yeah. then what I should have done is the next time that I showed up, and by the way, I like the guy okay. Yeah. Um uh is is sure. is, is 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 the next time I show up and he goes like could, would you like to read my manifesto? I would say, Yes, would you like to read my manifesto? Let's sit down together and read each other's manifestos. That would not, that would not and we'll happen. have like a manifesto book club. <laughs> a manifesto off. And then we have like uh bombing Tommy across the street. <laughs> Who's got his manifesto that he wants okay, everyone yeah. to read? The and we're all sitting around and we're all having a nice cup of tea <laughs> and just like, you know what I like about your manifesto is, is I've, I've learned how to make a bomb. Yeah. Out of simple household uh, you know, things. It's great. Uh, see, I immediately went to the anarchist thing and I was thinking to myself, when the anarchist, be- anarchist cookbook? When did that become a thing? Like the idea that anarchists are like bomb throwing? The Muppets. <laughs> is Harry an anarchist? Yeah. Crazy Harry. Crazy Harry is an anarchist. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I, it's something that happened. I guess it was uh, propaganda in its day. We weren't supposed to like think about what anarchists were saying or admire them in any way. Just nope, they're just bomb throwing lunatics. Please do not listen to them. I speaking of lunatics. Okay. This is just a weird nerdy. I can't do transitions well. Okay. Either. All I right. apologize. But you can write a segue. I can. I have well very briefly. Okay. And then Ed Brubaker went, I want it back there, and I dropped a name. The only time I ever like wrote a segue was with Ed Brubaker. All right. And then he went, I can do it, and he did it, and he didn't do it very well. Um, <laughs> but then he invented the Winter Soldier, so good for him. Uh, yeah. I was thinking of something weird comic booky. Okay. Because uh, there's been a whole bunch of Harley Quinn-type shows that are out now. There's okay. a lot of good stuff. There's yeah. a musical that's coming up. There was a cartoon show that was is around. Is a Harley Quinn musical coming up? Uh, yeah, the new Joker uh, movie the is new Joker uh, movie is a, is a Harley Quinn thing, and okay. but it's not a Harley Quinn thing. It's a Joker thing that has Harley Quinn in it. Well, she's the co-star. It's okay. Lady Gaga, and it's a musical. Mm. So I'm going to assume. Yeah, it's just pretty pretty big. Probably going to have equal yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. things. Um, but the way they kind of play the Joker uh, Harley situation now is, you know, in the cartoon and what have you, is you know she's in a bad relationship with a guy. He's abusive. He's a, he's he's bad news, and she gets sure. empowered by telling him to go to hell, like. Fair. Okay, that sure. sounds that sounds like it makes some sense. My problem with it as a nerd, <laughs> okay. and I'm just approaching this as a nerd. Sure. Okay. 
is that recently yeah. we've made the Joker insane. The Joker used to be a criminal. Yeah. He would rob banks. Sure. And uh, he was a clown who robbed banks. When he was in like the 1960s TV show, he was a clown who robbed banks. Uh, and he was then so the, crazy, he had a mustache that he put grease paint over. Sure. Uh, he, and then this, in the 70s, uh, Denny O'Neill uh, and Neil Adams did kind of a revamp of Batman, and they started to put the villains in, in the insane asylum instead, Arkham Asylum. Mm. And so uh, the Joker would be sent to Arkham Asylum because he was not in his right mind. He yeah. was mentally ill, and that's why he was doing it. And my <laughs> problem with that is then Batman's beating up the mentally ill. Mm. That's not great. Yeah. Okay. But where- this is very common in crime fiction as well nowadays. Sure. Yeah, that's your uh, Dirty Harry is like, but but Harry, that guess, guy's crazy. Yeah, I guess Dirty Harry's like, an example of that early yeah. on. But I mean, almost all, all all kind of modern fiction now, you know, has very violent, you know, elaborate serial killer killings by someone who has no motive. They're just their their motive is they're just crazy, and it's just easy to write. You don't have to like right. think in terms of like you know wanting to bump off grandpa so you can take, get get the money. You just have a person who just does random things, and then they have to like. The problem then is the sat. You know, if if you're doing the movie, then yeah, you end up killing that person at the end and like yeah. okay but you know it wasn't their fault either they really were another victim of this whole thing um but yeah. when you have it as a batman thing you're supposed to want him to beat up the joker yeah and it's like no he's mentally ill he Part can't he can't stop it um but with the harley quinn situation her origin doesn't really work because her origin is she was his doctor in Arkham Asylum. Mm. And then he kind of seduces her and then gets her to jump into the vat with him or he pushes her into a vat and she's now crazy and she has the same you know, skin as him and all this and that and the other. Yeah. That's a consistent with most of the things. But like, yeah, she's a doctor who's sane, who is dealing with a patient who's mentally ill. Yeah. And she decides to, you know, fall in love with him and fall in love and sleep with her patient. Yeah. And then uh, this all goes on and this goes on. Yeah, she's way more evil than the Joker because she was a sane doctor mm. who made this choice. And that led to all this uh, chaos and horror and, uh, and and what have you. But, like, at the root of it, he was the victim in that situation because he's mentally ill and his doctor took advantage of him. She had the power, even though you're thinking, like, yeah. oh, he's the Joker. He's got the power. No, no, no. The same doctor has the power over the mentally ill person. And then she made a choice for her own selfish uh, situation. Unless, of course, she was mentally ill at the time. We didn't know. Uh, <laughs> and, and there you go. But, it, but the way sure. they play it up is she was saying... And then went crazy when she was in the in the vat. So yeah. boo on Harley Quinn. It's tough uh, <laughs> for her to be a, a character of empowerment when uh, that's her origin story. Okay, they're, I guess they're making a distinction between being mentally ill and being criminally insane, though, right? So the, these characters know that they're what they do is bad and take steps to not get caught. Well, you've got someone like the Riddler who has to commit the crimes compulsively and then compulsively has to leave riddles. Okay. Doesn't want to. Yeah. Has to. Yeah. Then you got a character like the Penguin who's just a criminal. Yeah. He's just a mob guy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's that. So there's the, okay. those kind of... That. So and, you're Dick Tracy. Yeah. Like and then you got your uh, Two-Face. Again, compulsive behavior. Can't prevent... Mm. Has to flip a coin. Yeah. You know. Uh, so, yeah. they. Yeah. He seems the one character that is like insane like has some sort of has had some sort of breakdown mental breakdown or lost touch with reality like that's the one character in his origin you know what i mean like joker you know you don't really think of that way originally you know but two-face yeah is someone who just like something happened to him and to cause a break with reality you know 
Yeah. I mean, the Riddler has always been portrayed to me, Frank Gorshiny style, mm. as, you know, giggling, you know. <laughs> I think I, th- I think he's it's wrong when people make him kill. Because, like, that's not what he is. Sure. He's a burglar. He's yeah. like the Hamburglar. He has to leave a riddle, <laughs> and he likes the puzzle, and he likes the fun, and yeah, he's yeah. got to do that. You know, it's like, yeah. and now he kills someone. No, he doesn't fucking kill someone. He doesn't get any satisfaction out of killing someone. Yeah. No, that makes no sense. Yeah. He's an enigma. Everyone yeah. knows that. Catwoman, criminal. Okay. She's a criminal. Yes. She likes stuff and she uh she likes a criminal. To steal. She's a sexy criminal. She's a sexy criminal. She is she is the most aware of what she's doing and sure. she's the most in control of what she's doing. Yeah. And having fun with it. Yeah. And that to me is much more interesting than, you know, the maniacs. Yeah, that's well the maniac thing is it's just it's just easy to plot. That's why that that's why that happens, I think. It's just easy to He's easier a guy to plot. who thinks he's Zeus. I'm like, oh fucking who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Is that a real thing or you just make that up? No, that was Maxi Zeus is a <laughs> okay. mob leader who thinks he's Zeus. He <laughs> does Jove. a bunch of like Olympian uh, themed crimes. Sure, sure. <laughs> Steal swans and Well, let's let's well, no, it wouldn't be stealing I was thinking like, does he have sex with swans? No. He would be a swan. <laughs> He'd be a swan. He would dress up as a swan and then horrible things would go down. Sure, yeah. but he's just being uh he's just being um I know they're, they're just related. Like I I don't think he's gonna go like dress up he guess he could dress up as a swan and attack someone that'd be pretty terrible but okay i think like listen if you're redoing batman or if you're doing the robert pattinson batman have him go up against the penguin that's good criminal criminal yeah you have him go up against criminals seems like they introduced the joker though didn't they they had the joker off to the side giggling a little yeah. bit on a cut scene but he's played by barry barry keogan yeah i don't know how to say his name keen by keen barry keen yeah. uh who, you know, is not like a nobody. That's right. So yeah. it's going to be something. Yeah. Which is too bad because there are other villains. But the problem is, is like not in Hollywood. There are no other, there are no other Batman villains except for, except for the Joker. And anything else is just pure, you know, you're allowed that for that first movie. Well, let's make, let's. That first let, movie, you can do whatever you want. You can have uh, Raz al Ghul. You can have the Scarecrow. That's fine. But that second movie, you better fucking have the Joker in it, or you are done. Yeah, I think you, I can. I think he can make the Penguin shine with uh, Colin Farrell. I think uh, he'll mm. he'll be fine. Yeah. yeah, I think they're doing a Penguin uh, little movie, little TV movie or something as well with Colin some Farrell. Backsto- yeah, some backstory okay. to him. Yeah, so be, that'll be fine. I was gonna say Colin Farrell doing television. Then I was oh, he's True Detective. It was anyway. True yeah, anyway. Watch the latest True Detective, and I watched uh, the first episode. Yeah, that's all there's been. So it's all good I for you. Yeah, and it was like uh, you just want at some point one of them to like turn to another one and go like, "Hey, you ever see Twin Peaks?" I'm like, yeah, that was a good show. <laughs> yeah, Twin Peaks was a really good show, huh? What do you? Do you, you think it was Twin Peaksy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. At you all. got ghosts giving like uh, signals and oh, and yeah. dancing around and whatnot and little catchphrases and you know she's woken up. And like, yeah, this is this is Twin Peaksy all 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 the way to town. And then like, you know, a very grounded, you know, uh, person that's there who's trying to, but then seeing dreamlike weird imagery. Yeah, hmm. maybe they're going that way. I don't know. I don't know. I also watched the show. One eyed polar bear really feels like a Twin Peaks type thing. <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, CGI polar bear. Yeah, very convincing. Boy, don't people realize how 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 uh, distracting it is when you throw pretend animals into your movie it's just really, really doesn't help it's just like you know what is this the polar bear coat commercial <laughs> uh i also watched a show called is it called detail no 
Death and Other Details with um, Mandy, Mandy Patinkin. Mandy Patinkin. I haven't seen that yet. And Violet Bean. Well, it's on Disney Plus. I've uh, yeah. My my wife will watch Mandy Patinkin as long as he doesn't sing. He's not singing. Oh, good. Okay, we can watch it. This then. isn't Yentl. Just the second that he starts going, oh, it's like, oh, <laughs> His Princess Bride. Voice. We're fine. We're absolutely fine. High tenor voice. Um, yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, it's trying to be Knives Out. Okay. Yeah, it looked like trying it. to do a Knives Out kind of thing. Yeah. But it's by people who aren't Knives Out quality. It's by I think the one guy producing it did The Mentalist, which was okay. Yeah. I mean, look, in a world of bones and castles. <laughs> I don't like any of those shows. So, yeah. And, you know. I don't like any of those shows. I, I watched a little bit of The Mentalist and I just went, this is dumb as all get out. Yeah. I still got hooked. I probably watched every one of them. <laughs> yeah, this all shows that if, I mean, lie to me. All those shows, it just did not work yeah, for me at all. Yeah, it did lie to me. Uh, they did work. a good parody of him on... Uh, the Mentalist? Uh, yeah. of uh, okay. It was Jerry O'Connell did a parody of him. On something, something like uh, SVU, it was a parody of all those kinds of things. Okay. It was a spinoff of Children's Hospital. And yeah, he played a character called the Mental Man. And uh, Jerry O'Connell does the that smiling kind of thing yeah. constantly and always taking a coin out and doing things. And it was like, <laughs> very good. It was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I wanted to see this. Simon, what's his face? Yeah. Yeah. I did a parody of it once for a relevant show called The Sentimentalist. Okay. And uh, every, he'd go to a crime scene and just go, you know, my dad and I used to be around this neighborhood. I'm like, is that anything to do with this? What? No, I just like, I miss it. Remember when they used to have uh, the really big drinks at McDonald's? Remember that? They were really big. They were much bigger than normal. Yeah, yeah, we got to solve this murder. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't see that kind of car around anymore. Sentimentalist. Sentimentalist. Let me throw a recommendation at you, and then we'll go to some letters. Okay. Uh, uh, the new Clive Owen series. Have you seen this one? Dr. Jekyll? Monsieur Spade. Oh, that's what it's called. Sorry. I knew it was, I knew it was some re- yeah. re- somehow related to a uh, fictional character, but I can't remember. Monsieur Spade. No, I haven't. What's it on? Is it on? Uh... It's on AMC. AMC. Oh, I don't get AMC. Did you, did you have a channel that ever got Better Call Saul? Was that ever Netflix, on your TV? Netflix, Netflix had it. Oh, later on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you might you might still be able to check out your uh, search function. I'll see. Ch- ch- That's how we watched it. Ch- 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 but the idea is it's Sam Spade. Yeah. Uh, who, you know, had a kind of a job in France. Okay. And uh, stuck around hmm. a little bit and kind of fell in love and like what happens years later. Okay. And so some stuff's gone down. And yeah, <laughs> it's, it's interesting because you get like. You know, Sam Spade in the south of France. Mm. And it works. And it's very charming. And, and Clive Owen really d- is doing Bogart here. He's like, he was on a talk show talking about how he studied Bogart's portrayal. And yeah. that's the portrayal he's trying to do. Mm. And it's, yeah, he's doing Bogart. But like in the south of France. And okay. it's such an interesting, you know, contrast. Mm. And then also, it's a pretty good mystery as of the first episode where you're like, oh, okay, here we go. So yeah, guess, recommend, recommend. Interesting, yeah. I guess Bogart was Sam Spade once. Mm-hmm. He was Philip Marlowe once too. Oh, was he in the Big Sleep? Ah, huh? very nice. All right, I'm going to go two to- of two of the the top hard boiled detectives played by a doctor's son. Played by a doctor's son. Humphrey Bogart was the son of a doctor. I didn't know that. See, this is good trivia. Good for you. <laughs> hey, you're welcome. Okay. Uh, so last week on our show, we're doing a little bit of a shorter show just because. Uh, we have to go to this uh, concert type situation, so sorry about that. Uh, we're happy to talk to you in person. For you don't have to apologize to me. 
Oh, very good. But I'm going to just say, if anyone here went, that wasn't enough talking to you guys, uh, let us know. We'll give you a call. <laughs> we'll talk to you for uh, sure. extended periods of time. Yeah. Uh, last week we asked, what is the coldest weather you've ever experienced? And would you rather have discovered Eddie Murphy or been friends with Michael Stipe? You know, those two normal questions that people ask each other. Uh, our buddy and chum Louise uh, writes, I'm not sure what's in it for a person who discovers somebody. Uh, bragging rights? A Wikipedia mention? I'd rather have a friend. A friend who tell me everybody hurts. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. uh, just not all the time. Sometimes he can tell me to stand in the place where I live. While he hangs out in the corner or in the spotlight, whatever he prefers. <laughs> the coldest I've been was in Halifax, where the temperature dropped down to minus 20 Celsius. I still have the cozy London fog winter coat I brought to get me through the chilly winter there. It seemed pricey at the time, uh, but over the 30 years, it turned out to be a good investment. I wore it snow shoveling this week, and it was almost too warm. Wow, that's a... A coat that has done yeoman's service. Halifax is a place that knows how to do snow. Yeah. Big snow. Yeah. Go out and go, that's too much snow. Yeah. I'm going back in. But that's the thing about, that was, you know, people have been complaining about the cold here and going like, I can't imagine living in Edmonton where it's minus 39 and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, but they're, they're used to it. So they dress for it. Yeah. Like we, we are not winter people here in Vancouver. Like we have no concept of how to even prepare for winter. Mm-hmm. Very few of us have winter boots. We weren't good during a heat dome either. <laughs> Very few of us have winter coats. You know, we just don't have any... We're, we have none of the gear to survive like a really cold climate. Yeah. Like when it went minus 18 here, people were losing their nut, their nuts over this because, you know, we all just like wear yoga pants and, and uh, starter jackets, you know, like... And, you know, or hoodies in the middle of winter. You know, that's what we're used to. So but we do the mix them up that I always <laughs> like, which is... Uh, sweater on top, shorts on the bottom. Like, what temperature is it? <laughs> well, they just have very hairy legs. You know, heat rises, so this makes no sense. <laughs> uh, continuing on, at the Emmy Awards, presenter Ken, Ken Young made a funny callback to the Golden Globes when he blamed his nurses for leaving instruments in a dude that died after he operated on him. Well done. Yeah. Oh, joy. Joe Coy or Joe Coy. Um, <laughs> Edward Dragansky writes, uh, three years ago was the coldest I've ever been in Texas with a February winter geddon that lasted an entire week. Uh, we were snowed and iced in all week while struggling with power outages and, z- and below zero temperatures Fahrenheit and frozen plumbing. Luckily, we all made it uh, through by being smart and listening to all the winter warnings like dripping the faucets and wrapping up any outdoor toilets. This was a serious ordeal for us Texans, since we're nowhere near equipped for those temperatures. So when it was announced a week ago that the same event was repeating itself uh, this past week, everyone went back into action. It did get cold, really cold, but no snow accumulation, thank God. (laughs) Today it's back in the 50s, Fahrenheit, but there was another blast coming for the weekend. All this does nothing good for me. I'm better wearing shorts, as you were saying. And a t-shirt and not struggling to stay warm. Six months from now, we'll all be laughing about the whole thing. (laughs) Well, you know, the thing about heat and cold is you can dress for the cold, but you can't undress for the heat. It reaches a certain point where it's illegal to, you know, to get as as undressed as you'd like. It is nice having a basement uh, when it's it's, uh, hot outside and you just go, hey, it's really cool down here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lie on this cold floor. Oh, this is good stuff. Uh, being from Chicago, 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 uh, originally, 
The bears. Uh, we would uh, go back to, uh, to visit in the summer, but one year we went in January for my grandmother's surprise 85th birthday. Madness. You're surprising your, gra- surprising your grandmother on an icy uh, <laughs> winter day. Oh, someone's going to slip. That was the coldest I've ever been. I remember it being minus 12 degrees Fahrenheit, which to you guys would be minus 24 Celsius. Mm. It was so cold at my place that we gathered uh, for my grandmother's birthday and they let everyone smoke inside. The wind <laughs> felt like razors on my exposed skin outside. Mm. Uh, that's when you're basically running from one place to another uh, or from the car to the nearest open door. It was outrageous. Mm. Normally my wife and I sit on a little bench outside of our place and you know have evening chat. And uh, nope, just go outside, sit down. No, fuck this. And uh, back in. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous. It was about minus seven uh, here. Uh, I guess I'd like to have discovered the stardom of Eddie Murphy, as I have no knowledge of who Michael Stipe is. Uh, I was on the Eddie Murphy bandwagon years ago when he first burst onto the scene. I think I saw 48 hours uh, every weekend for almost a month. Couldn't get enough of him back then. Uh, The place my buddy and I worked, uh, our first job, yeah, it was too bad in the another 48 hours where he went back to that same joke. And I was like, don't go to that same joke. The Roxanne joke? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, He was like, don't do that. Do another song. There's no point in seeing another 48 hours because it it doesn't have James Remar in it. Who is that? He's the villain in the... Very good. Uh, He's very good. He was Ajax in The Warriors. You know, The Warriors, the movie you haven't seen. Haven't seen yet. I've (laughs) got to play a video game first. Uh, The place my buddy and I worked, our first job, remelting lead for uh, check printing plates. That sounds like a criminal enterprise. (laughs) Had a a guy in the print shop who looked so much like Eddie Murphy, it was unreal. Hmm. He knew it, too, and could do a dead-on impression of Murphy to go along with the likeness. Hmm. Those were fun guys to go along with, uh, uh, with such hard work. Yeah. Stay warm, everyone who has fallen under the grip of old snow miser. Uh, remember to keep your gas tanks full and let the animals inside. Be, uh, best from a chilly big D. <laughs> okay. Well, we don't need to end it that way, but okay. Uh, Peter Ayers. Oh, Peter uh, Ayers. Uh, writes this and says. This is a fresh one. Yep. The other, one, the other ones, I sorry, you know, I read your, your letters because I can't resist. And then I just have like a big laugh at them. And then when you read them on the show, I'm just kind of like, oh, it's, it's past my. <laughs> so I'm sorry. When I read them and you have your jokes in there, I'm more than appreciative. Fresh letters. It's a regular lull. But Imper- anyway, this is a fresh one. Yep. And Peter writes, imperial measurements make a certain kind of chunky sense for the most part. Yes. A piece right. of string, that long. A cabbage, <laughs> yeah, that heavy. A uh, way to run so far. That sounds like you're doing do re mi. Um, but seriously, how on earth has Fahrenheit clung on this long? With Celsius, you get two clear fixed points of freezing and boiling. Dead easy. With Fahrenheit, what? Zeros? Where? I, all is chaos. I'm confused. <laughs> Actually, I've still got uh, beef with feet and inches since being forced to grapple with long addic- addition and scale drawing in my time in a U.S. Uh, AR height tire office. Yipe! That time was the coldest I've been. A toasty for Canada, minus 11 Celsius in New York City. Wow. Uh, we drove into a cinema and watched films back to back to keep warm. Here in the UK, it's a crisp and pleasant minus three at the moment. A welcome improvement on the last few weeks of uh, weather, just enough above freezing uh, for, a damp chi- for a damp to chill your bones. <laughs> and on the other question, just wanted to add that my partner got into a muddle recently and thought that Eddie Murphy was the lead singer of Queen. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Keep it toasty, Peter. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I wish now I, I want to go through all the uh, Queen songs and change them into Eddie Murphy movies. <laughs> but 
So do we have any uh, emails? We do have an email Why from... Why you read it to me, young man? From Laurel. Laurel writes, her, her heading is Burr, exclamation mark. She's a big fan of Raymond Burr. Big fan. Burr, exclamation mark. Big, French, uh, big fan of French butter. Burr. Burr. <laughs> she says, burr, grizzly burr, exclamation mark. Hello, David and Ian. I hope you are well. The temperature in our house this morning was 54 degrees Fahrenheit, which you might as well just write a random number down for all that means to me. Oh, wait, which in Celsius is 12 degrees. Oh, okay. It has crept up a bit. good for indoors. Indoors, in our house, 12 degrees. Yeah, uh, 20 degrees Celsius is room temperature. Yeah. That is considerably too cold for an inside the home. Yeah. It has crept up a bit, but the pellet stove, out of which the heat is supposed is supposed to emanate from the basement, is having a hard time keeping up. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. Talk of cold uh, awakens my allergy. You asked what the lowest temperature is that we have seen, dot, dot, dot. But before I answer that question... <laughs> I want to say how much I enjoyed, once again, Jason Dedrick's Boxing Day appearance on the show. Agreed. Such a good-hearted and funny guy. Also, the quiz of sounds you did was such a riot. With Jason, it was fun. I guess with the two of us doing it, it was a bit of a bore. He is a very, uh-huh. good, he is a very good sound effect guy. When just the two of you, I was laughing aloud so much, dear husband inquired, what's going on? It's because you, Ian and David, were cracking yourselves up so hard. So I answered, said husband... It's just those sneaky dragon guys again. He nodded, fairly accustomed to that response, and walked away. (laughs) (laughs) Just walk away. He knew. He knows what to do. Well, anyway, if I can keep my chilly fingers going on this keyboard, I will tell you that years ago, I lived in northern Minnesota. My former husband and I moved there because one of my sisters had a farm up there with her new husband and invited us to come live near in the town of Bemidji. Never even heard of that place. This is in Minnesota, Bemidji. We stayed there three years. And that was more than enough. One Christmas during that time, which fell on a Sunday, the temperature was so low, even the churches wouldn't open. The temperature was minus 65 degrees Fahrenheit, or minus 54 Celsius. Actually, she said 53.8, but I'm just rounding it up. 54. (laughs) And it was windy. Ooh, the wind wind chill, too. Oh, my gosh. A year later, we moved to Indiana, where we had other more reasonable family. And three years after that, to the Florida Keys for 12 years, Thanks. Much more reasonable indeed. Now, living 24 years in Northern California, Northern California, in North Carolina, <laughs> those are two different places. Laurel, I don't know if you knew that, because I didn't. Now, living 24 years in North Carolina, we are pretty well adapted to colder weather, but no more ghastly Minnesota winters. This is as far north as I ever need to be again. That's all. Take care and stay as warm as you can all. Laurel. Well, thank you, Laurel. Thank you so much for that. And please do not... Uh, well, you know what? I guess if you have to rely on a wood heater in your home, then you just get what you get. But I have to admit, um, last week when we had our Chinese food celebration, I turned up the heat in the house because I thought, oh, people are going to come over. They're not going to enjoy my 20 degrees, my balmy 20 degrees that I like the house to be at. So I turned it up to 24. And the whole night, the furnace just, just chugged away, but it couldn't get any higher than 20. It was so it was so cold outside. And our house is such a giant barn. Uh, not giant, but just a big barn. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned my the metal window frames that we have that are just obviously you know the frost is coming in so you know the heat is going out so the windows that are you know like just heat transfer to the outdoors and I imagine the rest of the house has the same the same efficiency of just sending all the heat in the house outside so yeah it was just like 
But the poor furnace was downstairs just pumping away. <laughs> working so hard. I'm going to get you guys to 24. I'm going to get you. Don't, I can't. It's only 20. Sorry. I'm working as hard as I can. So, yeah. So, actually, and also then I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to reprogram the the heat. Or, or we have like a digital th- thermostat. So, I just reprogrammed it. So, everything's a little higher right now. I just, okay. I'm I, not even I am enjoying the cold. <laughs> I'm usually like I usually like the cold, but it's just been too cold. So it's been kind of nice to like be sort of toasty and, and watch TV. Yeah, I'm glad. Like right now, we're getting the uh, the rain that's uh, washing the spider out, <laughs> and also washing the ice away. And it's just like, oh, keep it up, keep yeah. it up. Yep, we had a little uh, bonus snow earlier this week, and it was uh, okay. We're finally getting rid of the snow. Here's more snow. Ah, oh! <laughs> so frustrating. Yeah. So frustrating indeed. Yeah, we had about thirty centimeters out in Alder Grove, I was, and it was so deep I couldn't drive my car in it because it was just too. Yeah. When we we couldn't celebrate Vicky's birthday because oh, uh, yeah. and it snowed on her birthday and oh, so I was like yeah boo boo indeed come on snow what are you doing is it my birthday no anyway oh it's my show uh, we have to have questions right questions sure what are the questions this week um we're uh, we're going to see a comedian uh, you know and uh, as as David mentioned his uh, his his wife Lisa co-host of the uh, Horse Mysteries uh is a fan of a whole bunch of uh, comedians who's a comedian we don't know about that you know about that you think we should know about okay that's yeah good. fill us in maybe a gary gullman we already said that <laughs> nate, nate like bergazzi well, well there you go mike Birbiglia? well yeah. we've already mentioned him yeah so who who the heck else is there sure there's let lots up there let us know let us know uh question two uh you have to write your manifesto what is your topic mm. Let us know. And, and we can't to... do that essay thing where you do like three things off the top, <laughs> then recap the three things at the end. You can't do that. Yeah, we don't want the five, the five, what is it called? There's a, there's a name for that essay. I can't remember what it is now. It's called haikuing it. Haikuing it, yes. Do it in seven syllables, five syllables, and nine syllables. Okay, mm-hmm. um, everyone, you want to write to us. You do. You know you do. So what you should do is go to the website. It's called sneakydragon.com. There you will find this show and you can write your beautiful thoughts underneath it. Or... You can go to email. It's sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Type away at your cold keyboard like Laurel and send us a wonderful email. You can go to X, formerly Twitter. There we are known as sneaky underscore dragon. And we're also on Facebook at Sneaky Dragon. And I don't care to say where else we are. Everybody, take care. We'll see you next week. Stay warm, stay positive, and stay droopy. (laughs) No, boy. Holy cow. We didn't even have like an extended. And we'll find out it's our most popular one we've ever done.